Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Impolite Company. I'm your host, Scott Wingeter. Today on our show, I've invited John Boucher, who's the vice chair of the Montgomery County Republican Party, and he also serves on the Groundwater Conservation Board. Um, John is a local realtor as well and has his own uh, business selling insurance. Is that right? Correct. A lifeline agency. I've had that for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. been a long time. And he's also uh, quite the entertainer, I understand. <laughs> I do. I front a band called Johnny and the Spensations. We play a lot of venues locally and all across this region. We just played in the Woodlands in front of 10,000 people for the 4th of July. Awesome. And um, yeah, we, we do some pretty cool shows. You can go on on YouTube and type in the Spensations and you'll see a lot of, of cool videos on there. Awesome. Well, John, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So I had Chairman Christ on the show mm -hmm. and uh, I had him on to discuss the bylaws and I understand that you were heavily involved in this process as well. So I kind of want to get into that today. Um, but my first question really is, what does the chairman do and then what does the vice chairman do? Well, the chairman has uh, 22 statutory responsibilities uh, according to the Texas Election Code, but the chairman's actual job is to facilitate the business of the CEC. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of the problem lies is, is the chairman, um, if you went and applied for a job and, and they said, here's the job description and they gave you the job like the voters did. Mm -hmm. um, when you got into that job, you wouldn't tell your boss, yeah, I know I said all these things to get here, but I don't want to do those things. Mm -hmm. So the chairman's job is to facilitate the business of the CEC, not impose his will on the CEC. And, and that's where a lot of the friction comes from. What's the CEC? Explain the that. County Executive Committee. Uh, there's 111 precincts in Montgomery County. Each has a precinct chair elected to it mm -hmm. or appointed by the, the County Executive Committee if there's a vacancy. And a precinct is where I go to vote. Correct. Your voting precinct. So there's 111 of those. Those 111 members comp comprise the CEC. And, and if you read one se section 171 of the Texas Election Code, you see that the chair is the head of the CEC. He's part of the CEC. So his job is to facilitate that business, not to impose his will upon them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's where a lot of the, the issues in the party lie that we're probably going to talk about. Okay. And what the, what's the role of the vice chair in that position? Well, uh, the vice chair it, is very vague. The vice chair is really not even part of the CEC because it's not an elected position unless mm -hmm. he's a, a precinct chair that's in there. The vice chair is elected uh, by a majority of the party and, uh, you know, basically just to help out and do whatever, you know, I mean, to assist the, the, um, the chairman and just to assist the operations in the party. Um, you know, I helped try to oversee some of the stuff the area chairs were doing, which are, are the, the counties divided into 10 areas where there's an area chair to help the precinct chairs in, in that mm -hmm. area. Uh, so it's just kind of a catch-all position. Um, you know, mostly it, it's relegated to the role of, of peacekeeper uh, yeah. for a while. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into this question, and I think this is going to be a good place for us to uh, sort of a launching pad to get into the further mm -hmm. discussions. So tell me about who John Boucher is and tell me specifically about your political philosophy. Oh, okay. Well, where I come from, um, I was, I wouldn't say I was apolitical, but up until about 2014, um, I wasn't really engaged as much. Uh, and then when they started discussion of the Woodlands Parkway extension, uh, which was about building a highway basically past my house, I got a little more excited about it. <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, marched across the highway because I lived in Oak Ridge North and got plugged into the Woodlands uh, uh, political scene and, and really got engaged in the, in the road bond fight in the 2014 election at that time leading up to the 2015 road bond situation. 
And uh, at that time, I was the chairman of the Lone Star Christian Chamber of Commerce. Um, I was still playing music in the secular realm. I was leading worship in uh, Mark Keogh's church mm-hmm. and uh, at Woods Edge and, and other places. And, um, you know, uh, I had Steve Toth coming to my Christian network breakfast, and he said, you know, maybe you should get plugged in politically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, in my extra time, you know, because I got an insurance agency I'm running. I got a lot going on. Yeah. And so... I decided to do that, and uh, I called my precinct chair. I found out what a precinct chair was because, like, you know, many people have no idea. Right. So I found my precinct chair in Precinct 35, and I, I called her, and she wouldn't return my calls. And uh, so I decided to run against her mm-hmm. and um, knocked on about 500 doors, and nobody knew who she was. And I thought, that's a problem. Right. And when I started asking around about the Republican Party in Montgomery County, I was sad by the answers I was getting. They don't do anything. And then... I was like, wow, that's, that's bad. And Mm -hmm. um, I saw that they had, the Democrats had already won a seat on the Lone Star College board. They had already won a seat on the Woodlands Township board. They were vying for a seat on the uh, Conroe city council board. And in doing some investigation, I'm seeing, you know, these, these States call like Colorado is a great example that Mm -hmm. went from hard red to hard blue overnight. Yeah. And that was through what they have, Scott, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's uh, it's called project blueprint. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they, I took that and overlaid it in Texas, that plan, and they call it Project Lift. Have you heard of this? I haven't. Okay, it's L-I-F-T. If you go to the Democrat website in Texas, it's Local Investment in the Future of Texas, and it talks about infiltrating these nonpartisan boards mm. and gaining control in a foothold because that's where about 90% of your taxes come from. Right. And once they get that foothold, they're like a cancer and they spread. Mm-hmm. And so I got pretty alarmed about what I was seeing in the Republican Party doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So I, I jumped in uh, and decided I was going to help change that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I actually, that does ring a bell. Um, I just didn't, wasn't familiar with it by the name of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's exactly what they're up to. And made, well, I, I, sat a, I had a gig a while back, uh, a couple of years ago, this drummer, I sat in with my band Mm -hmm. and he said, Mr. Boucher, I follow you politically. I said, is that a good thing or a bad thing? He said, well, you seem to piss off the Democrats in both parties. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Very good. Anyway. All right. So tell me about this, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, I sometimes refer to it. It seems like there's this civil war or that there's uh, these factions in the Montgomery County Republican Party. Yeah. That... Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Um, well, that incommensurable word I talked about earlier. Yes. If I, as a as a Christian conservative, um, would go out and find a candidate to run that I think would benefit the community, mm-hmm. and I'd put them on the ballot, and then this other quote unquote faction um, would go out and put their relative or friend on the ballot, mm-hmm. and then would do anything to win. They would just say or do anything to win, and at the end of the election. If their person won, they would say, yeah, all that stuff I said in the election, I didn't mean, I just, I just wanted to win. Right. So those, those philosophies collide because when you, you get that person in office that said, yeah, I can run large groups. I can organize large projects. I know how to manage people. I know how to do all this. Mm -hmm. And they get in and they can't lead a group in silent prayer. The entire community suffers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one philosophy is. I just got to win and then I can do whatever I want. The other is you run for this. There's a job description. You fulfill your job description and you do it. Yeah. It's a duty. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's, it's a servant, it's a servant leader position. Mm-hmm. 
And so that is the schism in the party right now. We had it with Wally in 2018, and that was the first time we saw it. And, um, you know, basically what happened was we drafted some bylaws uh, at that time that changed the party from a dictatorial model into a republicanism model, mm-hmm. whereby, Scott, you might stand in front of the CEC and say, you know, I'm really good at webcasting. I would like to be the marketing chair for this party. I could really do well. I'm equipped for that. I'm experienced in that. I would appreciate your vote to be the marketing chair. And then the CEC would vote on that, and there would be this verbal contract where mm-hmm. we get you plugged in and cast in a role that benefits you and the party. Yeah. Now contrast that with what we had before. Hey, have you ever turned on a camera? You're the marketing chair. And then they would do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't helping the party. Right. And so 17 days or so after those bylaws passed that were this cooperative Republicanism form of a party, you had Walter D. Wilkerson, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. start using party money to send out mailers across the county saying those bylaws didn't pass and I'm going back to the old system. Mm-hmm. Well, since since this isn't Venezuela, you can't do that. Right. And so um, we went to him first. I did. And I said, look, I voted for you, Dr. Wilkerson, but what you're doing is wrong here. Mm-hmm. I said, but there is a way to settle this. In the RPT rules, the Republican Party of Texas rules, there's this 8M rule, which is a mediation rule that if you agree and the CEC agrees, we can get this settled at right. the SREC and just come together. And he said, I'm not agreeing. It's like, okay. The next step is an 8K complaint. That's the only way to get it there. Right. And when you're stuck in this place of, I'm not going to do what I know is right, and I don't want anybody to, to review it, the only option you have left, Scott, is is to do the formal complaint, which is what I wrote. Real quick, let's uh, make some definitions here for some folks who may not understand. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about, but SREC and, oh, I'm sorry. and RPT. Okay, Republican Party of Texas is RPT. Uh-huh. The State Republican Executive Committee is the governing body of like the executive board of that. And mm-hmm. within that, there's an officials committee, even like a steering committee of the SREC. Mm-hmm. There's 64 members of the SREC. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this, this hearing went up to them and the point of contention was, oh, Dr. Wilkerson was saying, we're our own party. We don't have to pay attention to the rules. We're not required to hold an organizational meeting. And in order to, for you guys to adopt bylaws, it's a two thirds vote. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the rules are very clear. It's a, it's a majority vote at an organizational meeting and, right. and you are required every two years to have an organizational meeting. Right. That's rule eight E eight E is. So he lost his vote 63 to zero. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't even close. Right. And when they came back to the same group of people and said, okay, now can we come together? Cause you know, I even went out on a limb and nominated some of these people for leadership positions, mm-hmm. Susan Johnson, uh, Charlie Pareda. Scott Baker, the people that were vehemently opposed to us because I'm trying to unify the party. I said, mm-hmm. would you guys please come into leadership? And they said, not until the SREC makes a ruling. Okay. So the SREC makes their ruling and I come back and say, how about now? Can we come together now? Right. No, I'm still, I'm sticking with Wally. So, so that's okay. the incommensurable part. Yeah. Okay. So now we had, you just mentioned rule 8E. Um, yeah, there's 8K, there's 8M, there's, uh-huh. there's a lot of them. And so we just had a state convention. I was there. I saw you there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, Rule 8E says something to the effect of 45 days after. after, yeah. after. You have to have an organization within 45 days after the primary runoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so we have this organizational meeting. What was it? July 19th? 19th, yes. Okay. What happened at that organizational meeting? 
Well, prior to the organizational meeting, um, an email was intercepted um, between uh, one of the precinct chairs, James Byers, and Brian Christ, and the parliamentarian, Jason Millsaps. Mm -hmm. This was an orchestrated attempt, a collusion to undermine the process, which Mm -hmm. is just wrong. It wasn't predictive of, you know, maybe if this happens, we should do this. It was, I'm going to do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. And they're trying to thwart the will of the majority and rig the system, which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. At the organizational meeting, um, there were two sets of bylaws presented. Um, there was a bylaws workshop that the chairman did, um, which was a farce really, because at the end of the process, they basically allowed uh, Charlie Parada to go in, make all the changes he wanted to make to it, shut down edits and said, these are the ones we're rolling with. Mm. And then of course said, well, and if y'all want to have changes, then we'll go ahead and put amendments forward. Well, that's dishonest because it takes a majority to adopt mm-hmm. and two thirds to change. Mm-hmm. So you thwart the will of the majority by adopting these, these bylaws that, that the majority doesn't want. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, here's the amendments to fix them to where you want. And they go, nope, we're all voting against them. And so you can't pass it. So mm-hmm. it was a dishonest move. So I guess the best way to say this, Scott, is, you know, we went into that process and said, if they have the majority, then they win. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. They went into the process saying, we know we don't have the majority, so here's what we need to do. We need to try this, we need to try this, we need to try this to thwart the will of the majority. That's how the fight started. Okay, and then my understanding is we didn't even get through the agenda. Is that well, correct? No, that's not true. Well, we didn't get through the agenda, so we ad- so they put their agenda up. We put our agenda up. Um, our agenda got voted in mm-hmm. overwhelmingly. And then they tried to change something on the agenda, which again, takes a two thirds vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, they lost that vote, I think 52 to 26. So they, so they were way behind. They didn't have the numbers and they mm-hmm. knew they didn't have the numbers. So then all the games start. Uh, there are people start making motions to stall things. Uh, right. Point of order, point of information. You got Glenn Spate standing up. I want a roll call vote on everything just to delay things. Right. At one point after the vote, I, I don't know if you know a lot about Robert's rules. Yeah. Okay. I got it right here. <laughs> Well, if you make it, when, when a vote is cast and somebody says division, that usually means division of the vote. Right. Um, our chairman, James Byers, right after the vote was cast, 52-26, he stands up and says division, which is a waste of time because, I mean, yeah, you know. 26 to 50. Or whatever yeah. it is. You right, know, right, division. Right. So he stands up and says that, and chairman goes, hold on, Mr. Byers has made a motion to divide the question. Okay. That's not divide the question. Right. It's division on the vote. Correct. So you manipulated the system to go back and relitigate the agenda that had already been passed. I see. Yeah. And, and, and the, the biggest in politics, you're going to learn, and you might know this, I might, I might be assuming too much, but if you go through the campaign for Liberty class, one of the things they'll talk about is the thing is never the thing. Um, you familiar with the Mott and Bailey fallacy? Uh, I know what a Mott and Bailey is, but I'm not familiar with the fallacy. Mott and Bailey fallacy is, is big and political in the political world. Uh, the big, the greatest example is, um, the argue over, over Roe versus Wade. Okay. Um, what they really want is unfettered access to arbitrarily have abortions and kill babies at Mm -hmm. will. Um, whenever you challenge, that's the Bailey, that's, that's the Bailey, right. the, the Mott in medieval times, Mott is the keep, you know, to the keep, you know, that's right. the keep. The Bailey is the area where they transact business and live around the castle keep, the, the secure spot. As soon as you challenge them on this idea about murdering babies, they run back into the safe spot and say, 
We just want women's health care. Right. So it's it's not dissimilar to what's what's going on here in the party. When you challenge them on the things they're doing, they run back into that and say, we just want to have a voice. We just, you know, what, whatever. That's the Mott and Bailey on. Okay. So because we didn't get through... I'm trying to understand this, and I think our audience. Okay, I'm, I got sidetracked. So let me. Let no, me, go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay, so I got my train of thought back. So no, you're fine. So the Mott and Bailey technique here was they didn't like the agenda, mm-hmm. so they started focusing on the word Freedom Caucus in the agenda topic. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were submitting an agenda, and there were multiple agendas in an organization, and you wanted your agenda considered and differentiated, you would say, "Here's my agenda for ABC Corporation, as presented by Scott Wingerter." Mm-hmm. This was the agenda for the Montgomery County Republican Party, Texas, as, as presented by the Freedom Caucus. So mm-hmm. then they latched onto that. Well, this is as Freedom Caucus. This is confusing to everybody. Yeah. Superfluous because the title of an agenda means nothing right. after it's over with. So that became the... the, the so the I'm going to take an issue with the fact that it says Freedom Caucus on it. We're not the Freedom Caucus. We're the Republican Party of Montgomery County. So mm-hmm. therefore, this agenda is invalid because... That's right. Okay. That's right. That's what happened. And, and that's what they were arguing. And they lost that argument too. Mm-hmm. So the agenda passed. Mm-hmm. The number 11 item on the agenda said, we will not, con- we will not adjourn this meeting until the, this, this agenda is completed. That's what it said, number 11. Okay. At some point through all the arguing and delay tactics and frustrating, because what, that's what they do. They were just trying to muddy the waters. Fred Sunderman stood up. Uh, one people that's kind of on our in our camp stands up and goes, "Hey, um, we're obviously we've been three and a half hours mm-hmm. arguing about this. Um, I make a motion that we adjourn until both sides can come back and talk about this, and and get this settled, and we can move forward." Mm-hmm. Our chairman goes, I, "Motion to adjourn, second. All in favor, aye, aye." And and you can go hear the voice vote; they're very close. So you got three people yelling division, which means you should divide the question, which, you know, not divide the question, division divide for the vote. The vote. Mm-hmm. And he ignored them and said, meetings adjourned. Well, it's an improper adjournment, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, um, you did have in Robert's Rules, if you read it, it said you, a meeting that's adjourned can be con- will be considered a recess if the business is not completed at the call of the chair. Right. There's three types of, right. of adjournments. At the call. Of, so this was not a, our argument was this is not a synodia adjournment. Right. It was a, a recess adjournment. And there's another in there, a section called adjourn meeting that says if the body has approved the order of the day already, then the meeting is not, uh, an, uh, a, it's a qualified adjournment. It's not a um, uncontestable, whatever, a privileged motion at, at that right. point. Right, right, right. And so that's, that's what the argument is. But again, the thing is never the thing. The problem we were having at that meeting, Scott, was mm-hmm. our chairman saying, well, if y'all don't reconsider this, I'm going to nullify the vote. Well, wait a minute. You don't have that authority anywhere. Mm-hmm. You work for the CEC. So you already had this pre-collusion going on, and now you've got the chairman up there trying to impose his will. And if y'all don't reconsider this, well, then there may be a lawsuit. Then you're threatening litigation. I mean, this is tyrannical, and it just really pissed a lot of people off. Sure. So from your perspective, mm-hmm. Can we continue this organizational meeting at this point? Um, well, we were arguing that you could. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's people out here on the SREC says you can. There's, um, and I won't say who at the RPT says you can, uh, but recently I got a letter from uh, Steve Evans, who's the chair of the Rules Committee. Mm-hmm. And um, his opinion is that because, uh, basically he said there were so many mistakes made, the meeting was so poorly run, whether you want to believe it's through malice or, or just incompetence, mm-hmm. 
it's probably incurable. So maybe this reverts back to 80 in the old bylaws. Mm -hmm. But there's a hearing on the 24th about this with the SREC, and they're gonna, they will make the ultimate decision on okay. that. Meanwhile, I'm trying to, to solve the problem. Right. Now, the other thing Mr. Evans said is that doesn't mean that you can't continue the business of the agenda. Mm -hmm. So the officers that were elected, the precinct chairs that were elected, all that stuff is still legitimate, although Brian doesn't recognize my, me or any of them right mm -hmm. now. And that statutory duty of reporting them to Secretary of State, he's violated. He hasn't done that, mm -hmm. um, which he has to, because under the old bylaws to to install a precinct chair, it takes a majority vote of the CEC. Mm -hmm. You know what it takes under the new bylaws? The majority vote of the CEC. So there was no scenario where they're not legitimate, mm -hmm. but he will not send their name in, which is a violation of his statutory duties, which technically he could get removed from office for. Mm. So we, in an effort then to, I mean, I'm trying to figure, I'm, I'm having, I'm not a member of the CEC and I'm not attending these meetings and maybe I should, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'm trying to piece all this together from people well, that I do know. And you yeah, know. I brought no notes. I, I don't <laughs> have to remember anything, Scott. So go ahead. Okay. So then after this July 19th fiasco, yep. um, then there was a special meeting called. We called a meeting on the 23rd, uh, chair, uh, one of our chairs, Robert Walker, um, mm -hmm. petitioned a meeting for the 23rd to finish the business of the organization meeting because that was still within the 45 day window. Mm -hmm. Okay, So it was still good. We thought we were good to go. Mm -hmm. As soon as he petitioned it, Chairman Christ had his people petition a meeting for the same day at the same time in the same location. Okay. Okay. Totally improper. Um, Do we know for a fact that this was Chairman Christ? Yeah, it was, well, it was their people. I mean, okay. buyers, I mean, that's the guy who's been running okay. for him on everything. And so Chairman Chris shows up at the meeting uh, that they call at the same time. And he made it an online meeting, which lacked all the credentials. And, and there's an 8J rule in RPT, which allows him to call an online meeting, but it has to be under specific circumstances. Mm -hmm. This didn't meet any of those circumstances. Okay. So he calls it and says it can be an online voting also. So you didn't have the credentials. You didn't have anything set up. Uh, an online meeting, I don't know if you know this, but it has to have the same functionality as an in-person meeting. Right. You can't mute everybody's mics if they disagree with you. Okay? Right. So he shows up at our meeting yeah, and, that... and refuses to call it to order. Mm. And so this went on, I don't know how many times, more than five, probably less than 15, where I said, are you going to call this meeting to order? And Chairman Chris said, I want to have a vote first on, so he wants preconditions before he does his job. Mm. And it was totally improper. So after this went on and on for a long time, finally, Robert Walker said, I'm going to call the meeting to order, sir, then you can leave if you don't want to chair the meeting. So I have a couple questions about this. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm, I just want to try to clarify for, for everybody. Um, so my first question is, uh, I spoke with Chairman Chris specifically about this because the only video that I was able to find there. It's online. I can yeah. send it to you. Well, yeah, yeah I've, I've seen the video. Okay. And I can actually put that on uh, the notes section sure. of this too, if that's okay. Um, but Mr. Christ is trying to, according to him, when I had him on the show, uh, I asked him about this incident. And what he was suggesting is that what he wanted to do was because there was Mr. Byers and Mr. Walker's meetings that were called, as you said, at the same time and in the same location, uh, that he was taking basically a survey of the people that were there, of the uh, members of the body, on which meeting he was going to gavel in. Uh, and the analogy that he gave is, you know, if he invited all of us over for, to his house for dinner and he wanted to say, okay, 
we have an option to eat uh, inside or we can eat outside that he can take a vote of the people that are attending the dinner in his house. And, you know, we can do whatever the majority of the people decide. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's his argument that that's what he was attempting, attempting to do uh, to, to have the body vote on whether or not he wanted that he was going to gavel in Mr. Byers meeting or Mr. Um, Walker's meeting. It was a poison pill. Because the meeting was out of order the way it was called for an electronic, and he knew it. Okay. So had we had we voted and gone with, first of all, had we voted, he wanted to allow the electronic voting. So that destroys it right there at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. I, it's a poison I, pill. I think the first time I actually met you was uh, actually online uh, at the uh, 2020 uh, RPT convention. Yeah. And that was just a treat, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All night long, ended four in the morning, five in the morning. It was nuts. Right. And so... So he wanted to have this online option, which was out of order to call. It was actually, uh, it wasn't even given the proper notice at all. So that was a poison pill. So if you follow this, if you allow that vote to take place and allow online voting, and then he doesn't get the results he likes, he goes, oh, guys, I'm sorry. That whole thing was out of order. Darn. Because he mm -hmm. didn't have the numbers then either. Mm -hmm. So he called that meeting after the other meeting was called. And Robert's rules says, you know, a, a meeting is a single meeting in a location of the body. It's not a, a meeting that you call dueling meetings and then compete over agendas. Okay. Yeah. It's chapter four, right. page 73, uh, rule 8.2, uh, subsection one. Yeah, exactly. So, so that, that was a poison pill. So that's not what he was trying to do. He was trying to poison the water. Cause again, he didn't have the majority. Now the the problem with allowing something like that to happen, I think he had like five, three meeting calls in five days or something. Mm -hmm. These are all volunteers, Scott. You're, you're wearing these people out who have jobs. You're, you're frustrating the body. And that's what he was doing. So we said, call the meeting to order and chair the meeting, which he refused to do. So he was asked to leave. Um, and then he started talking over them while they were trying to hold the meeting. So I went to the board. I shut off every mic except for the person on the floor because that's who had the floor. That's the proper thing to do. Mm. And so he did eventually leave, and then he declared the meeting invalid, even though he's the one called it. So, again, he doesn't have the authority to call the meeting invalid. And the reason he has these separate meetings now is because, take what happened Monday night. Um, he called a JP meeting over in Precinct 3, mm. and everybody showed, the people showed up for, from the precinct, and he, he refused to recognize one of these newly seated precinct chairs who's volunteered their time who's organizing their precinct and when a point of order was made you didn't recognize you know this precinct chair he goes well that's because i don't consider him official i appeal the decision of the chair robert's rules yep and he said you know whatever and then they appealed it and they overturned his decision that should have been the end of it right but at the zoom call meeting the other night he refused to recognize him again so that is dilatory. I mean, he is, he's already ruled on this. He's already been overruled. That's why he does not want to. So he's called three meetings now. When the body has called a meeting, he's called three competing meetings with a special agenda. Now, this meeting we're having on the 6th, mm -hmm. I sent him an email, and I can forward it to you. I sent it to the entire CEC. I said, Brian, let's end this in an effort to get this together. Show up at the meeting in the Woodlands on the 6th. You've called a competing meeting at Lone Star. Your meeting at Lone Star has a special meeting agenda which cannot be amended. Hmm. The one in the Woodlands can be amended. You were telling people, including the RPT, that you have the majority of the party behind you. If that's true, show up 
amend the agenda to do what you want, make your rulings and see if the CEC lets them stand and let's just move on. Right. He won't do it. So that begs the question. <laughs> How do you fix it? Exactly. I have a plan that I will not divulge here today. Okay. <laughs> I have a plan. Uh, the RPT, um, I've been dealing with them. They are coming to town on the 16th for mediation. Okay. Again, these rules are just for ethical people. Mm -hmm. um, if, if the thing's not the thing, mm -hmm. then there's really nothing you can do. I mean, other than pursue removing him from office, which we don't want to do. You know, mm -hmm. I have told Brian time and time again, if you follow the rules of the party and do the right thing, brother, I'll back you. Yeah. I'll do anything you want, but he won't do it. It's just, it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs here in our county. And our county is, like you said, it's, it's being targeted by the left. It has been. And, yeah. and we have got to stand united as Republicans, as conservatives, as people that care mm -hmm. about our community. And we need to put, you know, we need to have an organizational meeting. We need to have bylaws and we need to have rules that we all agree to and follow. And we need to have all of these things in place so that we can do important things like stopping socialism from taking over and ruining the greatest Republic that the earth has ever seen. I agree with everything you said. You and I are totally simpatico on that. But let me tell you the reality. Mm -hmm. In 2014, when the Tea Party movement was at its height and, and doing very well in the county, we're strong. Mm -hmm. Brian Christ and his wife showed up at the polls with a group of other people in shirts that said Tea Party on them to promote their candidates. They stole the identity of the Tea Party in the election. He's on the cover of The Courier with his, tea, with his fake Tea Party shirt. He'll deny it now, but he's on the cover. Okay, you can't deny that. So that happened in 2014. In 2018 when this bylaws thing happened, his wife started this PAC, called it the Republican Voters of Texas. And in the general election, while we're out there fighting for Ted Cruz against Beto and his $81 million in money they infused in Texans, they're standing right across the walkway, Brian's wife and this Republican Voters of Texas PAC, working, working against us in a general election, opposing every single candidate that we have in a nonpartisan race on the ballot. Okay, they even in, ended up endorsing some of the same people the Democrats were endorsing. So we're fighting the Democrats, and they're fighting us. Okay, so the 2020 election rolls around, the primary election. I ran for county chair mm -hmm. um, because we had to put an end to this foolishness, just like you said, and bring the party together. I asked Judge Sadler first if he would run for county chair. He first said yes and then backed out. I asked Kelly Cook, Reagan Reed, Bob Bagley. Betty Anderson, Dale, and I asked seven different people to run for this office, and mm -hmm. they wouldn't. So finally, I just went to Dr. Wilkerson. I said, look, I've tried to get people to run against you. They're all, whatever reason, don't want to run. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've got the gravitas to beat you, and we can't go through two more years of this foolishness, so I'm going to run against you. You've told people you'd only run if I ran, so I'm running. So I'll see you at the polls. Mm -hmm. Two days later, he announced he was retiring. So I thought, well, finally, we can, we can move on. I didn't want that position, and I didn't run for it this time. Yeah. Um, so, but, but that's what I'm trying to do, bring the party together. But these people stealing the identity of the Republican Party and abusing it that way and saying, hey, I'm the chairman's wife. Here's the Republican slate with all her clients on it for her business. I think it's unethical and it's inappropriate. And the chairman writing a letter to Ginger Russell saying, well, I'll take legal action for you speaking out against them doing this. Yeah. It's totally inappropriate. It's a conflict of interest. So how do you come together with that? Incommensurable. Again, they are not interested in that. We, at that 2020 primary election when I ran, sorry. No, you're fine. There were, there were, I'm not kidding you, 35, 40 of these people on the parking lot 
rabidly opposing me. You had Jackie Waters, who was a member of that, who, by the way, was endorsing Claire Lindsay, the Democrat, against uh, Matt Beasley. Mm-hmm. You had um, you had Greg Long and uh, Jamie Metz, James Metz's son, who participated in a fundraiser for, for the Democrat Jay Stittleberg against uh, Mark Keogh uh, at James Metz's girlfriend's place in East County. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are politically apathetic. Um, but they were 35 and 40 out there, and, and they're out there calling me. Every, I got called a Muslim, a Russian spy, a wife beater, a pervert, everything you can imagine, the disgusting things these people are saying. And then, because remember, anything to win, right? Mm-hmm. They can do anything to win. So at, at, at some point during all this melee, I went and stood in the middle of the group. I said, listen, guys, you guys can do and say whatever you want in all this right now. But while I see you out here in the general election when there's Democrats on the ballot, Mm-hmm. Are y'all going to be here for that? It's 35, 40 of you. Are y'all going to be here for that? Absolutely. You know what? When it came around, not one of them showed up because they're not interested in fighting Democrats and keeping our county blue. I'm keeping our county red like you and I are. They're interested in getting their cousins elected. That's it. Well, it's frustrating. It is very frustrating. Um, I, I, I've had some success in keeping the peace with, with some people. Um, and there I've is heard that. there is hope out there. I, I can I can tell you. Well, wait till after the six, and I can come back and we can talk about it because I do have a plan. Um, I, I am trying to to keep the peace, and um, I'm doing all I can to keep the parties together. I keep the lines of communication open. I talk to everybody. Um, I had one of these precinct chairs the other day put up a, a I call it cry bullying, where you do something and then you you mischaracterize it and post something about it without actually posting the, the content. So people will go, Oh, poor you, everybody picked on you, you poor thing. Mm-hmm. So this person posted online, I've been bullied by one of the freedom caucus people via email. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent him an inquiry and said, who did that? They said, John Boucher. And I said, Oh, so I posted the actual text of the email I sent her. I said, you guys decide mm-hmm. if this is bullying. And uh, then she deleted the entire post. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Well, you wanted me on. I'm telling you everything. No, I know. <laughs> so. uh, well, here's the, here's the thing. This is why I wanted you on. Yeah. Because I wanted you to come out and say all these things. And this is why I also afforded Chairman Chris the same opportunity. Absolutely. Um, you know, and now all I'm trying to do is play the neutral journalist here. And now, the you know, my audience is they're intelligent, critical thinking people. And now they've had both sides of the story. And uh, now they can make the, their decision. And that's what I wanted. And, you know, like you said, if you, if you say the truth, then you have nothing to worry about. And you don't have to remember all the other stuff that you said in the past, right? That's right. So, Well, my, um, my political mentor in this county was J.D. Lambright. I met him years ago when I was testifying before the commissioner's court about something. And afterwards, I was in the hallway um, amongst a group of people tangling with the Montgomery County Toll Road Authority uh, lawyer. Um, Because I had a couple of questions, like, why are we building a toll road that's costing six times more than the last toll road built in Texas in the back of Magnolia? And uh, why is it only one quarter of 1% of roads in Texas are tolled, and this one has to be? Um, Can you explain this to me? And, of course, they couldn't because there was no good explanation. Right. Okay. And, of course, you know, Jamie Metz gets the the clearing, the the tree clearing con. You know what that's all about. It's all about money, your backdoor stuff. And so that, that bothered me. So I, I was speaking out against it. And afterwards, J.D. Lambright, uh, who was our county attorney, God rest his soul, um, he said, can I take you to lunch? So we went over to Red Brick Tavern. We sat down. We talked for a long time. We became really good friends. Um, I'm really good friends with Linda, his wife, right now. 
And he said, you know, John, this county needs you in politics, and these people are not going to like you. He goes, mm-hmm. um, but you do the right things the right way for the right reason, and uh, you're able to talk about it, and that scares them. And, uh, you know, I had, I had a, one of these elected officials call me one day during one of these political squabbles because, Scott, if i got to stand by myself, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, John, um, I'm going to tell you, you're a very talented guy. You're, you're articulate. you got, you got a lot going for you. And are you sure you want to use your political capital on this, this fight here? And I said, man, that's the nicest I've ever been threatened in my life. But I'm, I'm not interested in political <laughs> office. So you guys can do what you want to me. I'm going to keep doing what I do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Anytime. And we appreciate, you know, your, your perspective and your voice and everything like that and all the things that you do for the, for the community. Um, you know, thank you so much for, for everything, John. Thanks. Thank you, too. I appreciate all you do. Hopefully yeah. you and I can do some more stuff together. Yeah, absolutely, man. Just let me know. All right. Well, that's going to cut it for another episode of Impolite Company. Um, I'm going to link the uh, other episode with uh, Chairman Christ on there, and then you guys can make up your own mind. Um, you know, and you have a lot of power, and I'm going to end with this. You have a lot of power, okay? You can call your precinct chair. If you don't know who they are, you, you can go on the Montgomery County Republican Party website, and you can find out who your precinct chair is. You can call them, and you can ask their perspective on this, and you can tell them what you expect them to do and, you know, get involved. And that's how we can sort of, I think is the way forward here is you have a tremendous amount of power to make sure that the people that are in that CEC are the people that you put there. It's your precinct. They represent you. And we can, we can do a lot to nip a lot of these bad tricks and about this bad blood and all the stuff that, that both uh, of these gentlemen spoke about in the bud and the 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 trick is just making sure that you hold your own elected officials accountable because they work for you and we together as republicans in montgomery county need to come together and work together to stop socialism and that's how we do it thanks for tuning in guys we'll see you next time thanks for listening to impolite company presented by the doc line if you like what you heard be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us